Welcome, 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 everybody, to another weekly roundup with Ricky. This is episode 41. We're going to get started with our project updates. First of all, we have things happening in TCFX. Uh, most importantly, Alex and Antonio are going to be meeting with the LEAX team to answer some of the remaining questions that they have about the business model in order for them to complete the non-action letter. So that should be um, sent to FINMA, their regulatory agency, uh, in about two weeks, which is wonderful. Um, they also had a few meetings with Kind of Blue CEO and Michelle. Uh, they discussed further uh, details about the partnership since they're going to be the first project that are potentially looking to launch on TCFX. Um, we have some great news on their project side. They have a new product R&D scientist. Um, they'll be using glass dust left after transforming it into sand to do ultrafiltration, which is amazing. Uh, they're also working with an IP research company, which concluded that we are first, we're the first business that's going to provide this new recycling solution. So KOB, um, super proud of what they're accomplishing. Um, so they'll be able to start patenting the process for their model, which means huge things for being the first project launching. Um, so Oxantonio also had a wonderful event last Thursday. If you remember, they went to a UBS bank event. And if you don't know who UBS is, they're the largest bank in Switzerland at this point, I think, after they acquired uh, Credit Suisse. Uh, they have a total of $3.1 trillion in assets under management. And um, this event was pretty exclusive. Only 15 startups were invited. Um, and Alex and Antonio were able to pitch TCFX to some of the top executives at that bank in the Freeborg region, which is the headquarters of TCFX. Uh, the feedback that they've received from those executives is pretty positive and it's very encouraging. Um, with that, what it led to was um, they were able to build uh, connections with Philippe Sigel, Sigel. I might be butchering their name, my apologies, but um, so they are supposed to be the equity, they're supposed to be responsible for UBS growth advisory within equity fundraising. So um, the, Alex and Antonio are going to be sending the TCFX presentations uh, to them. And uh, this guy usually is pretty difficult to reach. Um, so we're pretty excited that they're able to get in touch with them and also grow their network meanwhile. So it's good that TCFX is getting the recognition it deserves in the Freeburg area soon. Uh, it's going to be international. So everything's starting pretty, uh, pretty strong, pretty organically from the grassroots, building the right connections, meeting the right people, pitching it to the right people. Um, so the finalized details of our, uh, presentation deck, uh, will be shared very soon. Um, 
Leon family is going to be pretty proud of what um, our design team has come up with uh, and the work Alex and Tony have put into that. Uh, an investor deck is so important. Um, it's all because um, not everybody has the time to spend um, like DYOR basically. Like not everybody can do that. Some of the people just want a quick and easy way to access all the important data points and what advantages you have and why are you the next big thing. So uh, the slide deck uh, presentation deck is going to do a wonderful job at that. Um, Antonio is returning to Monaco on Sunday. Um, so this is going to be after over a year of not seeing his friends and family. Uh, he will be staying in Monaco for a week uh, approximately, and he's also going to use this time to build his network there and find investors, uh, share his knowledge about TCFX and what we're building. Uh, so incredible, incredible pieces of news there. Uh, next is... Uh, updates from Metalion Society. So exciting things happening there. Uh, Poker and Rumble are back. So if you haven't subscribed to uh, getting notified for both of those, head down to the server, go down to the game section, Leon game section, and get your roles in Discord so you're notified whenever the games go live so you don't miss anything. Uh, with that, we're going to move on to our market updates. So for the market updates, I am going to continue talking about the institutional FOMO that has been happening. Uh, so last week, I shared with you that a bunch of large asset companies um, are jumping into the Bitcoin ETF market. Um, they put in their applications, and that stuff continues this week. Um, so the SEC has returned the Bitcoin spot ETF applications of BlackRock and Fidelity, which are two of the biggest asset managers in the world, having a combined assets under management of close to 15 to $16 trillion. Uh, so nothing to worry. Uh, SEC has cited that they require more details around the market surveillance data providers of both of these ETFs. So basically when it, when BlackRock filed its ETF application, they did something new that nobody else was doing. Uh, they named, they didn't really name, but they said they're gonna use a third party uh, market data surveillance provider. The reason being the one of the biggest concerns SEC has cited in declining all of the Bitcoin ETFs in the past few years is that they, they're scared of, well not scared, uh, they're very of market manipulation with the price manipulation, right? Uh, so having a trusted third party, uh, BlackRock didn't really name who they were hiring for that. They did say uh, they're going to have the NASDAQ uh, people take care of that stuff. But then NASDAQ went back and right when the SEC returned the application, so it wasn't really like declining. They just said that we need more clarification on that part. So um, the SEC didn't really decline the ETF application for BlackRock and Fidelity, but they basically said that, hey, go back to the drawing board. What we're going to do is we're going to need you to provide more information there. So 
good news is that NASDAQ went right back within a couple days and filed the detailed information that was required by the SEC. And something interesting came out of those filings because Fidelity's third-party provider, uh, I think uh, it was the Chicago Mercantile CMC, I think, um, both of these people named Coinbase as their legitimate third-party uh, data surveillance provider, uh, market surveillance provider. So um, good news for Coinbase and bad news for Gary Gensler because Gary Gensler sued Coinbase claiming that they're an illegal U.S. business because they're selling unregistered, and I'm air quoting unregistered securities because it's his opinion. It's not law. It's not written anywhere. Congress hasn't given him the rights to do this, but he's just overreaching crypto agency so he can get more money for his agency. Um, so good news for Coinbase, because if BlackRock is partnering with you, it was basically like showing the SEC a middle finger because Coinbase is getting sued by the SEC. And here's BlackRock naming Coinbase in their ETF application as a partner. So clearly the largest asset manager in the world knows something. So with that news, Coinbase stock went from $50 to $80 in a couple of days. So if you bought up, if you bought Coinbase when it was down, kind of makes sense because um, Kathy Wood, the CEO of ARK Invest, who's super bullish on crypto, she loaded up on Coinbase stock literally like a month ago when it was like $45 or something. So good for her. She made a bunch of solid profit for her fund. Um, next piece is um, related to the NFT prices tumbling. So blue chip NFT projects, including the Board Ape Yacht Club, all had a blood, blood on the street kind of thing over the past few days, where most of these collections floors have hit two year lows. And that's pretty telling because NFTs are not that old. So if you're worried about your bags getting smaller or value going down, that's just a industry-wide thing going on. I think people are de-risking or I don't know what's happening. It could be manipulation on people's part, whales manipulating collections and uh, retail getting scared out of uh, their minds. So um, don't worry about anything. It is all it is all a good lesson because I keep reminding people that know what you're invested in, knowing the work that's going on in TCFX, showing up to the weekly roundup every week and knowing how much work uh, is being put into TCFX and having a legitimate business behind your collection is so essential because otherwise it's just a round robin of who's holding the bag longer. So if you don't have intrinsic value, things like that can happen. So do not worry about anything. This is just a short-lived thing, in my personal opinion. Again, not financial advice, but that's what I personally believe. And knowing that we hold Leon's, knowing that the work that we're putting into TCFX and the incredible progress we're having, it's just obvious over a period of time, we will be outshining most of these blue chip projects. Um, so it's a long-term game. It's always been shared by the founders that it's a long-term game. So um, glad to have everybody on board as we wither through these 
interesting times in the industry. Uh, next up, we have central bank digital currency updates. So in this section, I tell you everything in the world of central bank digital currencies because it is very important to understand the progress of these um, because they can be of good use, but they can also be dystopian. Who knows? Uh, we're just in early pilot stages in most countries. Only China, uh, where we're going to go first, has had incredible progress so far in their CBDC area. Uh, so DBS Bank has launched a digital yuan payment tool. Um, this payment tool is going to allow all of DBS, and DBS is a giant, giant bank. Um, so it's probably, I think, the largest in Asia, I believe, or the second or third. Um, it's in the top three, I, I think. Um, so DBS's corporate clients are going to be able to accept uh, payments in the digital yuan, which is China's CBDC. And they will also be able to conduct automatic settlements into their bank account in the digital yuan. So this is a huge step for adoption for the digital yuan. Having banks start to create uh, utility for your token and creating tools and platforms for easier integration into the traditional financial systems. Um, that's, what's crypto that's what crypto is trying to do. So um, interesting that private banks are starting to integrate with the uh, digital yuan. Looks like it's starting to um, move away from its pilot test and moving on to actual adoption at this point. So next up is again a news from China about the digital yuan. As multiple cities have indicated that they have already integrated uh, the digital yuan into their economy, uh, the city of Jinan, with, uh, Jinan which is basically uh, another big city in China, has successfully trialed uh, their... Uh, the digital yuan within their bus lines. So basically two of the bus lines uh, trial this digital yuan. And after successful trials for a few months, they announced this week that they will be rolling out the digital yuan as a payment system to the entire bus system of the city. So people will be able to use uh, their smartphone and the digital yuan that they have uh, to pay for their buses. Um, next up, Crypto and blockchain advocates are calling for the creation of a digital Hong Kong dollar, which is going to be pegged to the real value of the dollar, much like USDT and USDC, in order to compete with those two stable coins. They have cited that it's going to improve Hong Kong's financial leadership and reduce the transaction costs and also cement um, their place in uh, cross-border remittance area. So good for Hong Kong. They've been pretty pro-crypto. A lot of news is coming out of Hong Kong lately, all bullish news. Um, they're talking to their banks. The government is forcing the banks to start to talk about uh, onboarding crypto companies and helping them get access to traditional finance money, which is not happening in the US. So that's why I love crypto because it's a global industry. If one country doesn't understand the long-term vision, another country picks up on it and runs with it. So whoever gets on board, this is global. No one country can stop it or block it or ban it. Um, and that's why it's freedom money, because you can take your money and go wherever you want, and it's most probable that it's going to be accepted there. 
Um, so next up, we're going to talk about some... Um, actually, no. Before we do that, we have another CBDC update coming all the way from my home country, India. Uh, the Reserve Bank of India is currently under talks with more than 18 friendly countries uh, to use the digital rupee for their cross-border payments. So digital rupee is in the early stages right now of their pilot program. Uh, they're trialing domestic payments for now for retail and wholesale, I think. Um, but now they're starting to talk with other countries to be able to use the digital rupee as a cross-border payment option. Uh, the reason the Reserve Bank of India said that's a conversation that needs to be had is because um, India has enough reserve for the dollars, and dollar is supposed to be the global reserve currency, so um, it's, it facilitates trade between multiple countries. But India stated that India has enough dollars, but some of the countries that India imports from have a lack of dollars. So this will be a potential solution to that problem because a lot of countries are starting to de-risk themselves from the dollar because of how badly it's inflating away. And um, the sanctions uh, have gotten out of hand. So they're worried that maybe one day uh, they'll be cut out from the financial systems as well. So they're trying to de-risk themselves. And that is a phenomenon that's happen happening all over the world. It's again, not gonna happen overnight. Everybody that's blowing it out of proportion that the world is de-dollarizing and nobody's going to use the dollar, that thing is at least 50 years away, in my personal opinion, from how I understand the financial system. So um, it is going to happen eventually. All currencies come to an end. If you look at the history of currencies, um, supremacy of any currency doesn't last more than 200 to 300 years. And I think the dollar has come to a complete cycle of its uh, lifetime as well. But again, there's still time, so nothing to panic. Uh, we're going to talk about global regulations next. So next up, we're going to still stay in Asia, but we're heading to Thailand, where their SEC is, again, very futuristic and very proactive in this industry, which I really like for how small the country is. Um, so learning from the failures of Celsius, Voyager, and BlockFi, which were lending crypto lending platforms that all went bankrupt, um, Thailand's SEC has ruled for all crypto lending platforms to not just show a warning of the speculative nature of crypto on their websites and platforms and the risks that come with it, but also they're going to prevent businesses to use customer funds for loaning and investment purposes. Again, um, there's a few people that run their business that way that initially all these companies like Celsius, Voyager, BlockFi, they probably ran into trouble because they did not have enough cash to cover the savings or cover their um, customers. So when the customers started to take out their money, they went bust because the, all the money had been loaned out or was in risky investments or locked up for a period of time. So I think it's a good move for Thailand to force all these businesses to not use customer funds for loaning and investment purposes. It only makes the industry more stable. So good for them. 
Uh, next up, we're going to talk about adoption, since adoption is also incredibly important for the growth of the industry. Um, so the smart account feature that is coming to Ethereum, which will let you store your uh, your keys on your phone in the safety, uh, I think it's called the security module of your phone, which cannot be hacked. Um, so it's going to help onboard the next 1 billion people from Asia into Web3. And it's also going to be because of the ZK EVM scaling and the security that comes with Ethereum. So this statement came from a senior executive from Consensus, which is a solution provider on the Ethereum network. Um, I kind of agree with that because one of the biggest challenges that comes with being in crypto and self-custody is having to walk around with a ledger and having your seed phrase, right? Excuse me. So when you think about having a better solution to store your seed phrase and having the same level of security and making things easier, like setting a limit on how much you can spend in a day and things you can do with your bank account, right? When you'll be able to do those things with your Ethereum wallet, that I think is definitely going to take uh, it to the next level because everybody can use a smartphone. Everybody can use a digital wallet. Even if people don't understand, they've been using digital wallets for, for a long time. PayPal is a digital wallet. If you have a Amazon account, it's a digital wallet. You have money on it. Sometimes people buy Amazon credits. So everybody's used to digital wallets at this point. So using Ethereum is going to be another digital wallet that they'll be used to. And they don't have to carry around a ledger anymore. They can do things on their phone. Um, if you remember, uh, Uniswap came up. I think Uniswap became the first crypto uh, DEX uh, that launched on the Apple Store. Because Apple has been very anti-crypto in terms of uh, allowing apps through. So when you have all these apps, Solana is coming out with its own phone. So I, I'm totally on board with this sentiment because... Asia is a growing economy. Asia is a growing area in terms of population as well. Um, and the next billion people that get onboarded have to be onboarded with tech that they understand. Because if there's a huge learning curve and they have to manage all these things that we have to do today, it's not going to be easy. And it's all good for us because we're in this industry before the masses come in. So even though it doesn't feel like that we're early because mainstream media is covering crypto, um, I think Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, came on to Fox Business, I think, a few hours ago. And he headlined that Bitcoin is digital gold, according to him. So the big deal is that this is a man. This might be the most powerful man on this planet because he's the CEO of the largest asset manager in the world. And whoever controls the money controls the power. That's common sense. So this guy who said Bitcoin is the biggest Ponzi scheme he's seen in his life, and that was two years ago, and now he says Bitcoin is digital gold. You see what's happening? We actually front-ran the institutional investors. We came in this industry before they could come into this industry. And I'm not saying this is all good news, because when these big players come in, there's going to be huge manipulation. But again, manipulation is both ways down and up so if you play your cards right there might be room for taking some profits 
Um, so next up, Fiat24, which is another Swiss-based fintech company, a lot of innovation happening in Switzerland, um, is providing a decentralized application that is going to let um, that is going to let people um, use their debit cards. Uh, well, basically make debit card like transactions through Arbitrum. So if you remember, Arbitrum is a layer two solution on Ethereum. In order to use Arbitrum, you have to first bridge your Ethereum token up to Arbitrum. And then in order to use your Ethereum anywhere else, you have to then bridge it down to Ethereum. Uh, right now, all these uh, layer twos are working on bridges amongst themselves. But for now, you have to bring it down to Ethereum main chain. And that takes some time and gas. Um, so the great news is when you go to Starbucks, Fiat24 is helping you pay for your Starbucks or buy your groceries anywhere that you use a debit card. You can now use the ETH that you have in Arbitrum directly without needing to bridge anywhere. And that is a huge, huge piece of innovation right there. That is going to lead to mass adoption as well. Because when people, uh, people use layer twos for the speed and the cheap transaction fees on Ethereum, um, they're going to want to stay on those networks. They don't want to bridge it back to the main chain and spend another $18 to do a $2 transaction. Um, so that's going to be incredible. Now you can pay for things directly through Arbitrum on layer two, thanks to this fintech company out of Switzerland. Um, all right, to wrap it up, a funny and interesting piece of news came in. Um, everybody has been under the assumption over the past week that Gary Gensler, the CEO, uh, not CEO, the, the chairman of the SEC has resigned. And clearly that was a false piece of news. And upon digging into it, the article that got leaked that said due to, and I'm air coding due to uh, information from internal sources at the SEC, reality was this article was written, generated using AI. So that's, that's the funny thing that the article written by AI was so convincing that crypto influencers with millions of followers retweeted this thing and it went viral and it got so big that Fox Business reached out to Gary Gensler's office to ask if he actually resigned. Imagine how shameful it's going to be when your staff comes to you and ask, are you resigning, bro? Um, so even though the news is false, it's good for the narrative that Gary Gensler's shenanigans are over. Everybody's seeing through the noise. And even business, big media houses are starting to confirm with him if he actually did something. The article was convincing for the reason because it stated that Gary Gensler has been, on, has been under internal investigations. And during the investigations, he handed his resignation. So that's, that's the level of <laughs> craziness AI has gotten to that it's writing these convincing articles about events that haven't even happened. So um, I guess after crypto uh, regulations, the next regulations that we need is AI regulations. Because imagine um, sometime about a month ago, I think someone, some AI generated image of the Pentagon being on fire got circulated on the internet and everybody just assumed that that's correct.
and the stock market plunged like a 1% or 2%, which is a huge deal in the stock market. And later it came out that the that the picture was fake. So uh, stay safe out there. Make sure you double check the sources of what you read. I went to this website and <laughs> the the author of one of the contributors of the website was literally stated as John Doe. And if you know anything about computers, um, since we've been using them, John Doe is supposed to be a generic name used to have like a filler name for anything. So um, yeah, always check your sources of what you read and uh, just uh, always stay vigilant. Thank you guys again. I appreciate you guys. Uh, hopefully you have a wonderful rest of your day. And I am going to see you guys next week. <music>